Adventures in time and space told in future tense. All radio is dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Look, there comes one of them now. Good evening. My name's Kyle. And I'm Brad. And risen from the coffin, we are the Nosfera dudes. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> well, welcome to uh, for the five people listening. Welcome to the second episode of our winter extravaganza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, quick recap on uh, the first episode, Brad. We watched what? Uh, oh, Black Christmas. <laughs> Yes. Yep. Okay. Yes. Um, so if you if this is your first listen, uh, you might want to go back and listen to that as to get the full extravaganza experience. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Worth so, a listen. <laughs> so Brad, uh, we're we're right butt up against Christmas here. Um, yeah. Christmas is in. Gosh, what? Uh, Five days. Five days. Five days. Five days. <laughs> Are you ready? Uh, all, all basically, ba- mostly, yeah. mostly, yeah. yeah, yeah. We Amazon's been making regular deliveries. <laughs> sure, sure. So, Brad, on this the second episode, we we teased it last week. What are we talking about tonight? Tonight we're talking about. Krampus. Krampus, that's right. Krampus uh, premiered December 4th, 2015. A hot year, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and December 4th, it actually, uh, originally they were going to release it that uh, November, but they actually decided since Krampus knocked is on the 5th, they mm-hmm. decided wouldn't it be fun to release it on the 4th. Right. So, directed by Michael Doherty and co-written by Michael Doherty, Doherty. Um, he also uh, is very famous for another holiday horror film, uh, 2007's Trick or Treat. He wrote and directed mm-hmm. that, and he right. also um, directed Godzilla, King of the Monsters in 2019. So, he has some horror cred. Trick or Treat is... Um, kind of lauded as one of the best horror anthology films to come out in a while and especially in the 2000s mm-hmm. um so yeah so krampus uh so brad you this was the first time you've ever watched this what what uh what do you your initial thoughts after having seen the film for the first time i enjoyed it i enjoyed it i really did um I could see this being a movie I watch every Christmas. Um, had that feel to it. Um, it was dark enough um, to kind of... I'm, I'm very wary of PG-13 horror. Yeah. I don't, I don't watch a lot of it. Um, you know, unless it's like a monster squad kind of thing, you know, but, um, 
other than that, you know, there's not a lot of PG-13 horror that I like. So um, this one was, uh, it was, it was very festive. So it was a good Christmassy feel to it, especially in the beginning. Um, and, uh, and it, like I said, it was dark enough and scary enough um, that, that I could say I enjoyed it as a horror movie. Um, I, <laughs> I have very little, very few bad things to say about the movie. There's only a couple of things I nitpick. Yeah. And we can, we can get into it, you know, in a little bit, but, uh, there, there were things about the movie that I thought they could have changed to make it maybe even better. Um, but all in all, really liked it liked it the second time through uh even more because you pick up on a few more things um so no i i I really did i i think it's a good movie absolutely yeah this is this is one of my uh favorite you know uh, of the 2000s recent uh horror films and i think it it really you know for the most part most everybody puts it into horror comedy I think it really rides that line. I think that with a few minor adjustments, it mm. would have been a straight-up horror film. Oh, oh, okay. Um, well, if we're just going to get into that part of it, that was one of my um, nitpicks with the movie, was, okay, so you cast this movie. Yeah with two of the main characters being seasoned comedy actors. Right, you've got Adam, Adam Scott, Scott and David Keckner. And David Keckner, yep. So my brain is going to go towards comedy. Right. Okay, cuz that's what I'm familiar with these these guys being a part of. So I felt like it 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 had some light moments to it like it had some comedic elements to it but it didn't go into full-fledged horror comedy you know it's That's not how like I feel it's, about it's not a, it's it's not a Shaun of the Dead it's not like you know any anything like that where it's this obvious comedy there's just moments in the film where there's some lines that are thrown in there where it kind of makes it funny or like the part uh, to skip way ahead, you know, uh, aunt Dorothy's death. Like that was funny, right? Yeah, the the way yeah. she went out. So, you know, there, there's just elements to the movie, but that was my kind of just one of my gripes is, you know, Adam Scott is a very good straight, man right so yeah. he's he's very good at being in comedies as the straight man so if you're going to make just a regular horror movie i could see okay you can you can have him as the dad fine you know okay this is his venture into more you know scarier roles or whatever but when you have david keckner and adam scott now i'm now i'm like i said I'm, my brain's going towards comedy 
and you have a talent like David. I'm a. I don't know about you, but I get a, a huge kick out of him. Oh yeah, Ch- um, Champ Kind. He's, Champ Kind Champ is Con- the best. Champ Kind from Anchorman, and and if you're a fan of The Office, he's Todd Packer. Yeah, and <laughs> the Pac Man. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he has a um, he has a license plate on his car that says. W L H U N G, like well hung. <laughs> yeah. But everybody thinks at the time William Hung was yeah. a, was popular <laughs> at the time. So like Ryan, favorite, like he asks him when they're at the car, he goes, "Oh, are you a big William Hung fan?" And he's like, "Why does everybody keep asking me that?" <laughs> yeah, Dave, but, uh, David Koechner, his his style of comedy and his delivery. It has a very, um, it has a very, uh, how do I want to put it? It feels like classic kind of Midwestern, that Chicago comedy sensibility, you know, goofy, but also he can be really smart goofy too. Right. Like he, he, he satirized like within a character, he totally embodies like an obnoxious character. But he's also in the same breath satirizing that character that he is portraying so fucking well. <laughs> right. 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 And I just think he's such a talented guy when you can get a hold of him um, to not use him to his full talent, I think was a bit of a miss. I, he was, listen, he was really good in the movie. Um, he really was, but I just feel like maybe just an opportunity missed. So I couldn't tell what it was trying to be. Yeah. It's yeah. Trying and I think... to be a horror comedy and it's just not landing some of the things that intended to land or is it a horror movie? And just because they cast, you know, a couple of guys that are famous for being in comedies, there's a couple of comedic jokes in there. There's some lines in there. You know, but they really intended it to be a horror movie. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was going for. Yeah, I do. I do feel that in some ways, uh, I kind of have wondered to myself why this movie isn't more popular. Like it's on Peacock right now for the Christmas season, yeah. but you don't really hear a lot of people talking it. Like everybody loves. Uh, Michael Doherty's other film, Trick or Treat. You see that everywhere on horror social media. But Krampus doesn't seem to get the same attention. And I feel like, I think you might be onto something that it suffers a little bit because it does, you know, I've heard some people, you know, kind of have confused arguments about, well, what is it? Is it is it a horror comedy right. or is it a horror or is it even just a Christmas comedy with horror? Like they don't know where to put it, and especially the opening sequence, which I think is like fucking brilliant. That sets mm. a tone of funny right off the bat, even though it sets a... what they're really trying to do is show like what modern Christmas has become. Well, right. It it shows the the shitty part of Christmas. Right. Right. The downside of Christmas, the commercialization of Christmas. What Charlie Brown was trying to warn us about all those years ago. And 
Um, uh, well, uh, he's good mentioned, grief. Well, he's mentioned in this movie, isn't he? Yeah. The kid wants to watch Charlie Brown so bad. I wonder if they put that in there because that was a, a special. If you're familiar with the Charlie Brown Christmas, that did rail against the commercialization of Christmas. Yeah, and where there's... it was go- and and where it was going, and this is that was the message of a Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, was it, it's being over commercialized, and people forget, you know, uh, what Christmas is all about, and that's exactly what Krampus is all about, right? Yeah, he yeah he makes a few winks, like he has references to Charlie Brown. Uh, you see, like a little clip of uh, I think they're watching Charlie Brown on the one like iPad or whatever. And then you also the big the big wink is um, the grandmother when you first meet the Austrian grandmother Omi, she's in the kitchen baking all the traditional Austrian Christmas treats, cakes, cookies, and she has a Christmas Carol, the Alistair Sim version of a Christmas Carol playing on the television, which a Christmas yep. Carol is the a very similar message. It's it's and. A Christmas, I mean, if you think about it, the story of A Christmas Carol, which I mentioned to you is like my favorite story of all time. Right. It's about ghosts. Ghosts Mm -hmm. show up at Christmas to scare the shit out of the greedy, nasty guy who's all about the worldly possessions, money, 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 but he's also a miser. He doesn't, doesn't give it away, doesn't even spend it on himself. That's how greedy he is. He won't spend one dime he doesn't think he has to and they scare the shit out of him to teach him about it's folded into the meaning of christmas but it's also about just being part of humanity and being a kind generous human being who cares about his fellow man right and yeah so he's winking at us with those references saying like this is what like the kind of the spirit of Krampus is it's to, to scare the living shit out of you. So you will be better and forgive and also forgiveness, forgive each other for things, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that, that this is supposed to be a time of coming together and, you know, settling or putting aside old grievances and things like that and being a family and that's what this family has lost, you know. Right. So yeah, that's all. It's all wrapped up in that. And Michael Doherty totally—that's what he's going for. Sure. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, but we mentioned the cast. It's got a great cast. It's got Adam Scott. He plays the dad. You, uh, if you don't know, recognize the name, he's uh, one of the leads from Parks and Recreation. Um, he was been, Ben Wyatt. Yeah, he's been all over. Um, yeah. You got Tony Collette. Tony Collette, who is, uh, I mean, you want to talk about somebody who's done a little bit of everything in the film industry, um, yep. that's her. She started out doing, like, independent movies. Uh, she hit with, like, Muriel, Muriel's Wedding was, like, her first big film out of, coming out of Australia. And then, of course, she yep. was the mom in The Sixth Sense. She was in the remake of Fright Night. Um, and she was in Hereditary, which is the big, you know, independent horror film that everybody loves and incredible movie, incredible <laughs> movie. Yeah. Yep. And, and I dislike to, uh, most people should, oh, you don't like that. You don't, you don't like that. Movie? <laughs> uh, you know, you don't like that. You don't like that. 
huh, guy? What's the matter with it? <laughs> you don't like elevated horror? <laughs> uh, and we mentioned David Koechner. He plays the uncle. Um, uh, some people might recognize Aunt Dorothy. That's Conchata Farrell. She was in Two and a Half Men. You know, that was her yeah. probably her best known role. That was but her she's, big, that she's was her been everywhere. Role. She's yep. She's been in everything. Um, yeah, and probably the the other standout performance of the film. There's all a lot of good performances uh, from just about everybody. Uh, you know, you got uh, the kid, the main kid, Max, is played by M. J. Anthony. But the the one of the big standouts is Krista Stadler as uh, Omi, Max's grandmother. She's the connection between the old beliefs, the old ways, and you know the modern uh christmas time right um yeah so i mean michael doherty he wanted he said he always wanted to do a scary christmas movie uh and he didn't know anything about krampus till he got an e-card from a friend that had krampus on it and then he like read everything about krampus like on like i assume google and was like holy crap i would love to make a movie about this um should should we explain who Krampus is? Yes, I think I think we need to because I think even though he has enjoyed more popularity in recent times, um, I find myself still explaining to most uh, straights, we'll call them, <laughs> not not horror centric folks. Well, that's what I call them. I call them. <laughs> I find myself explain like I literally on Krampus knocked. I show up to work with a bunch of Krampus cookies that I made wearing a goat half goat mask. <laughs> I go, I, I come into work, go, you know, yelling Gruß vom Krampus. <laughs> and I feel like Dwight when he shows up as Bell's nickel and nobody knows what the hell it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Krampus, Krampus now specifically Krampus uh, is, comes from the Austrian, alpine regions um it's a pre-christian figure who was most likely started out as benevolent it would have been from a pagan time period a pagan belief system which was more chthonic about nature and all that kind of stuff um post-christianity post introduction when everything got ruined sorry (laughs) We, we yeah they had this great thing called Yuletide where everybody got together around a giant fire and got completely shit faced and then some guy dressed in goat skins would come in beat the bad kids and tell them to go to bed and then also spank the women you know to like bless them with fertility for the coming <laughs> coming year um, big party giant yep. huge crazy party. And then, yeah, wow. the uh, the Christian missionaries come in and say, "No, that's Ruined a demon. <laughs> that's a demon, yeah. you guys." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, post Christianity, um, he becomes the enslaved, demonic helper or shadow of Saint Nicholas. In some countries, like in uh, Spain. Um, there's another character uh, called, I believe it's uh, Black Peter or Black Pete, which is like a, uh, came in, uh, it's a hugely racist <laughs> version oh of this, where it's basically like, uh, it's countries that were like conquered by the Moors, 
when then Christianity took over, they Mm -hmm. made the, like, servant who beats the bad kids, like, one of the moors mm. and so mm-hmm. like literally they would have guys with saint nicholas in the parades wearing blackface and oh. you know and yeah so i much prefer the horn demon you know you forest go. uh demigod or whatever sure <laughs> let's um, go with that guy yeah so he uh krampus shows up on december 5th which is yeah. the day before St. Nicholas's feast day in the Catholic Church. Um, right. His feast day is the 6th. And right. so Krampus comes the night before and all all the kids, it's like, basically it's like that whole kind of idea of like, uh, today we have that in, um, oh, hey, kids, go get in bed because you don't want Santa to catch you up, you know, to watch him deliver right. the presents and stuff. Uh, you know, that's what they would tell the kids. Like, hey, you better be good. You better... You know, do your chores, be in bed on time, eat all your dinner, all that kind of stuff, or else Krampus is going to come walking through that door, shaking his chains with his big, you know, thing of birch sticks that he carries, the switches, and he's going to beat your little butt, you know, black and blue, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And then the really naughty kids, post-Christianity, the really naughty kids would be thrown in his basket or his sack and dragged to hell. <laughs> right. <laughs> Man. Now, uh, I, I don't want to get too deep. I don't want to make this into like a, a Yuletide history lesson. But nope. like with almost everything that's either German or Austrian, this probably uh, originates uh, from something that was probably a little more cheerful from like Scandinavia. Because for some reason, (laughs) for some reason, the German Austrian region has a tendency to darken every fun thing. (laughs) And so uh, up in Scandinavia, Sweden, um, Iceland, anywhere where the Vikings lived, basically, um, but especially in places like Iceland, this was probably started out as the Yule goat. Uh, they then they still celebrate this to this day. Uh, you see, up in uh, countries like Sweden, they'll have a Yule goat, like in on their tree or in the room or whatever, and it's a goat made of straw. And basically, this all starts with uh, way back Thor. Thor. Oh is the okay. god who is like the god of men. He yep. he favors men, peasants, you know, all humanity and he rides around in a chariot drawn by two goats. And at Yuletide, Thor was believed to bring gifts to men. And uh he would bestow these gifts upon them and somewhere over the course of that time instead of Thor showing up because he's pulled by two goats. It turns into, Oh, the goat, the Yule goat comes and brings you gifts. And so, yeah, they had this, it's just like, it's basically like the Easter bunny, you know, it's like this, you know, fun, happy goat that shows up and gives you presents. Well, that wasn't good enough for the Germans and the Austrians. (laughs) So, so they make it where he comes and he, he might give you presents to the good kids, 
or but, he might eat you. But if you're bad, he's going to beat the living fuck out of you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's in general. I could, I could do a whole dissertation on Yuletide beliefs and how everything that we do at Christmas is actually probably just passed down from the Vikings. Yep. But we won't do that tonight. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, it just opens with like this mad rush into like a Target, Walmart kind of store. Mucho Mart. And, uh, it's actually yeah, called right. Mucho Mart. <laughs> And you know people are going crazy. It's a it's an exaggeration, or is it? I don't know. I avoid Black Friday, so. Um, but people are just mobbing this store. They're beating each other for yeah, you know, the best gifts. And it has one of the best openings. It has one of the best openings. Now, first of all, let's uh, let's establish this. This is a universal picture. So technically, that means Krampus is a universal monster. Ooh. <laughs> um, Krampus meets Frankenstein. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> Krampus meets the Wolfman. It's a full moon go. on Christmas. Christmas. There you go. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so it it opens. And with they this... left them lying by the window again. <laughs> it opens this with this great scene. It 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 has Bing Crosby singing it's beginning to look a lot like christmas over top of the most horrific black friday riot that you have ever seen on any program like you know there you know how there there have been black friday like riots where people actually died and got trampled this is like one of those right exactly and everybody is just acting like a total ass. They're tackling each other for buckets of Mucho Mart Christmas cookies. And, <laughs> and people are fighting each other. And what are the people standing around doing? They're recording it on their phones. Right, right. There's so much commentary in this opening about the commercialization and the materialism of modern christmas modern american christmas um you know they're in the big box store that has everything there's the the parents who are like acting like dicks forcing their kids who are screaming crying who don't want to be sitting on santa's lap but they gotta get that christmas picture with santa because that's going in the christmas cards that they're gonna send to the rest of the family and we need to look like we're happy grandma wants to see you smiling you know, right. it's all the stress, right. all the pressure. And it's the brattiness of of people. It's yeah. the brattiness of the public. It's the brattiness of the American public. It's first world problems. <laughs> guys, I'm sorry, but like guys are walking around with 40 inch uh, LED TVs and they're just like, you know, people are fighting each other. It, th- this is this is because people are so spoiled. And nothing's ever enough. And so they have to just fight over whatever, you know. And and, and it's and, so yeah. bad that there's actually a little kid. They show this one shot of a little kid sitting in yep. the midst of the riot and he's got a shiner. Somebody hit the kid. <laughs> yep. And no one's attending to the kid no. either. <laughs> he's just sitting because there Because they're crying. too fucking busy trying to get the latest TV. 
and or a that, gaming system. Really. And then it culminates. We meet the. We eventually at the end of the sequence we meet the uh, family that we're going to be following through this. And even the nativity play isn't safe. Uh, you know, there's some, a fight's broken out, and the the main kid Max he is in the midst of this fight. And it's all because, like, one kid, you know, is is ribbing him about believing in Santa Claus and still right. believing in Santa yeah. Claus at his age, and he's going to tell all the little kids that there is no Santa Claus, and that pisses Max off, and a fist fight starts. Yep. So, I mean, we touched upon it already a little bit, but, I mean, what, what do you... You know, I feel like the big thrust of the film is this... Uh, big comparison of old Christmas, ancient Christmas against modern Christmas and all the things that we think are important. Like what, Mm. what do you, what do you think about that? What's your take on that? Um, old Christmas versus modern Christmas. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's, um, you know, kind of what I was saying before, it, it, it's it's how society has just become kind of spoiled uh, in a way. Um, and no one looks out for each other anymore. And it's all about me and it's all about being on, you know, social media and it's all about, you know, presence and materialistic things and um, trying to put on a front of um happiness too and you know in this movie adam scott is um they're successful they're they're wealthy um i they i mean i would say wealthy judging by the house i mean it's 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 yeah they they have a very nice house it's a spacious house the way it looks like the home alone house yeah the way they dress it, it has that same feeling of yeah like a like a Hughes film, you know, the way that right. It very much so, (laughs) but, um, but they're wealthy. So they're all, so they show the daughter with the lap, you know, she's got her laptop and the kids got his phone and they all have all the uh, conveniences of, of having money, but the family is falling apart. And, um, it's it's funny, um, and I don't know how deep into this we were going to go, but I just looked at this whole movie as, as this story of this family that is falling apart. <clears throat> and because it's falling apart, it leads to disaster when the kid um, tears up his letter to Santa Claus and he throws it out the window and it goes up. And it calls down Krampus. And Krampus comes down and the whole movie starts. And this big horror kind of starts. Now, in the beginning of the movie, again, like we're saying, there's all this dysfunction. Uh, The dad, the the marriage is falling apart. The cousins don't like each other. The, um, you know, Adam Scott and David Koechner's characters don't really like each other. You know, the whole the whole family is just, you know, in this bad state. And then when Krampus comes and they're faced with this terrible situation. They start to it doesn't take long 
before they start to band together and they start to reform and the whole movie is about how the family comes together but the the hell of the movie is that it's too late right right because once or uh, or unless unless and i just have to finish it this way there are competing theories about the ending right. of the movie. So in general, you know, um, it's too late. Yeah, they're not going to get out of this particular situation. Right. Once right. Krampus shows up, there's no escape. Right, exactly. It's too late. Once once he shows up, it's too late. So they've it took something like a Christmas demon you know, to just obliterate everything around them and just wreck their lives for them to band together and and come together and act as a family. And it's funny because um, that's another message uh, in the movie is, is about family and how kind of messed up it can be. Adam Scott alludes to it in the when he he's talking to max in his bedroom and uh they've just had this terrible fight with the cousins and max is just hating the fact that the cousins have come to stay for the holiday and adam scott comes in and he's like well they're you know they're family they're leaving in three days he's like why do we have to put up with them and that's adam scott says well that's just kind of what family does you know, uh, family, you know, you, you try to be friends with people that you're kind of stuck with and you just try to find something in common with them. And right. he just kind of nails it. You know what I mean? Um, so and and the, the, the like I said, the, the family is just falling apart and it takes this horrible thing to happen for them to come together. Um, and so there there's just this powerful message, uh, you know, in that too so it's a it's a it's a you know pretty involved movie for being a christmas horror movie yeah yeah and there's there's some themes that run through it too like um because as we mentioned the grandmother max's grandmother uh she still kind of follows the old traditional austrian christmas traditions and you know you you hand make everything and you you know all the baking and the wrapping of the gifts and she it seems very grounded while everybody else is kind of wrapped up in all these kind of old stresses with each other and old fights and you know uh being unkind to one another at a time when they should be happy to see each other and happy to be together. Uh, you got Tony Collette and the 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 sister. They uh, her and uh, the other woman in the film. Um, I have her written down here. Um, Allison Tolman. She plays Linda. They're they're the sisters, and mm-hmm. you can tell that eventually they get to. Uh, a little bit of a, a subtle reveal. They start to have a discussion about the ornaments on the Christmas tree, and they've lost their mother. Their mother has died right. sometime bef- years before, and it's like ever since their mother died, they've been 
moving further and further apart. Right. And so you see all these familial relationships that are fractured and the grandmother is very grounded. She's just like, let's make this pleasant. She she doesn't criticize anyone. She doesn't talk badly. She's just, she keeps her mouth shut. You know, mm-hmm. if, uh, even if she's thinking something about somebody, she just keeps her mouth shut. She's quiet through like the whole, f- most of the first half of the film. She's very right. quiet. She only says a few things. The most she, the person she talks to the most is Max. Right. And she speaks to him in German. He understands and speaks back to her in English and she understands. Yep. But he's like really the only person that she talks to. That's that's his friend, his grandmother. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's sort of you get the feeling that's where Max gets his feelings about Christmas from. He yes, he's growing up. He still has the childlike innocence and sensibility about things, but he wants Christmas to stay that have that same feeling that sure. it used to have. Right. Well. When did you find out? Um, you know, are there are there any kids listening? <laughs> I mean, did you? You know, how old were you when you? You know, do you still believe? Uh, what? In, in what, Brad? You know, you know, you know, <laughs> jolly old Saint Nicholas, you know, Santa yeah, Claus, Saint Nicholas. Yep. What are you what are you saying? He's not real? Oh, come on. <laughs> Should open my mouth. No, actually it's kind of funny. The way the grandmother the Max asks his grandmother the same exact question. Like what well, mm. a similar question. He he asked, like, do you really believe in Santa Claus? Do you still believe in mm. Santa Claus? And she only takes the briefest of pauses and she looks at him and she says, Well, yes. And he's like, really? And she's like, well, I more believe in the spirit of what he represents, that that's a real thing. That Santa Claus as a spirit of giving and of sacrifice, that's yep. real. Yep. And Kind of like, like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, make, a, they, oh. make, they make a strange... There, there's a lot of kind of strange um, dichotomies in this, or how do I want to say? Even maybe like um, analogies would be might be a better word. Where you hear like the song "Silent Night" in various forms all through the film. Mm-hmm. You know the idea of the peaceful scene in the manger with the birth of Jesus and the shepherds and the angels and the three kings and, and, and all that stuff. But what we're seeing while those songs, that song keeps playing at various moments through the film, what we're seeing is this dark, cold, older Christmas, you know, Krampus and his uh, elves and his minions and the the kind of corrupt twisted toys and all this when you know because yuletide even though it was a big party yuletide was like the dead of winter in scandinavia was a time of darkness and fear 
Mm-hmm. Like you didn't want to go out and get lost in the snow. You didn't want to go out and, you know, they, they believed during those times that like the wild hunt came through led by Odin. And if you were out at night in winter and the wild hunt came by, you would be abducted or killed, you know? And, um, so the, the Krampus symbolism in the film, it reflects that idea that, um, this isn't your fuzzy uh, Christmas about, you know, whether it's Santa Claus or baby Jesus, whatever, how, however, however you view your Christmas, this ain't mm. it. Right. And you're about to get what you asked for. <laughs> yep. You know, because yeah. Max wants them all to go away. He wants this over. He, he just doesn't right. he wants be... his family to disappear. <laughs> like in Home Alone, <laughs> there are Michael Doherty did work in some of those themes because mm. of those classic Christmas sure. films. Um, yeah. I think actually the Home Alone house is on the street. Like they say, if you well, look- actually they he put a few different houses because the house the house scene, the aerial scene of the neighborhood is um, CGI'd. Yeah. So he actually put different famous houses in the neighborhood. So yeah. you have to stop and look and you can identify the different houses. Yeah, from a lot of, they said, 80s films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's a thing, as I was saying, the grandmother uh, brings up um, the, the word sacrifice. Right. Because, you know, at things like Yuletide, there were sacrifices made you know, to make it through the winter to, for the sun to come back, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then if you think about it, if you want to get even a little deeper, I know I'm like turning this into like a, a masterclass PhD lesson or something. Um, yeah. if you didn't get I started it, taking notes, yeah, if you didn't get it, I read up on a lot of this shit. This was like, uh, one of my like comparative religion and ancient religions is one of my things. Um, <laughs> It's one of your hobbies. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a problem. It's sometimes it's a it problem. Um, mm-hmm. But if you think about like the even if you just focus on the Christian traditions of Christmas, what like we focus on like the birth of Jesus, you know, the baby in the manger, away in the manger, no crib for a bed, you know, all that kind of stuff, and and the silent night. And the star of Bethlehem and all these peaceful, loving things. He's born to be sacrificed on a cross. Like we focus on this like sweet baby Jesus in the manger imagery. But when you actually stop and sweet baby Jesus, (laughs) sweet baby Jesus, um, sweet little can't even can't can't even lift his head, take a step. <laughs> All goo goos and gagas, baby Jesus. Adorable little baby Jesus. <laughs> if you think about like the that there there is um re- <laughs> there I mean there is kind of a bit of a touch of horror to that scene when you think about the idea that yes, this life, this child has been born mm-hmm. just to die as a sacrifice. Yep. God sacrificing himself to himself as the great sacrifice to redeem mankind, yada, yada, yada. 
Can I ask you something? <laughs> what? What was the average lifespan of a man in um, in Jesus's time? Oh, well, you're in talking probably a, like old men probably would have been considered uh, to be in their like forties, like us. Okay. Right. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Unless you're Methuselah. He, he lived a while. He lived yeah. a while. Yeah, he had a good for, life. For, yeah, yeah, he, like, he was he was basically a senior citizen when he had went up on the cross. Right, he was already like you know down in you know Florida, retired and all that stuff with his AARP card, you know, and his white shoes. Um, so I'm just saying. Now, thir- now we're like 33 is young. Yeah, 33 is young, but uh, but back in his day, you know, he lived a while. So don't feel too bad. But so the family, they, they're going through things just once Krampus is summoned, once Max rips up the letter to Santa Claus in which he wished and hoped for all these good things for his family. He wasn't asking for toys in his letter to Santa. He was mm-hmm. asking for help for his Aunt Linda and his Uncle Howard. He was asking for his mom and dad to love each other again. He was mm-hmm. asking for his sister, sister and, he, and to him be, to hang to hang be close out again. again, like they yep. were when they were little. Yep. And so he was not asking for he wasn't being selfish. He was being he was embodying the core true spirit of Christmas. He wanted right. the rest of his family to be happy because he believed if they could be happy that would make him happy. Right. And when it when he's met with the reality of or at least the 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 facades that it, people tend to put on as they, you know, people tend to be bullies because they actually are very sensitive inside. People tend to be brash because they want to keep people at arm's length. You know, yep. there's reasons for why people do negative things especially to people that they should love or care about. Sure. When he's met with that reality at the dinner table, Mm. he decides, fuck it. I'm (laughs) done. Like all those good things that I wanted for them, uh, you know, it fine. My parents get divorced. Fuck it. Me and my sister never talk to each other again. Fuck it. Howie and Linda and their their weird kids. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> fuck those kids. Yeah, fuck those kids. And so he tears up his letter to Santa with all his hopes and love. That's what that letter represents. His hope and his love. Yep. And he rips it up and throws it out the window. And that's what summons Krampus because... Krampus comes when hope is lost and love dies. Right. And everything from there on out is, except for like, you know, you get some animated gingerbread, gingerbread men and stuff, but it's horror from pretty much from there on out. It's a horrible series of events. And it starts with the snow. Yeah. Yeah. The, this, um, and so, just to get into maybe like the effects and stuff, this was all done on a soundstage. Yep. 
and um i thought the the snow um you you really felt it i thought they really did a good job with it um making that this insane blinding blizzard um you know and krampus they did obviously some cgi in the movie obviously with the gingerbread man they did cgi and then uh some of the krampus effects uh, i think when he sticks his tongue out like at the end that's cgi'd um but i thought uh, and then like him going from rooftop yeah, to rooftop which know, is one of like the that. best like introductions of a really, monster ever. yeah but still it's really really cool and um so but the rest of him is practical yeah weta right? workshop when, that did yeah. lord of the rings like the the crew that did lord of the rings did yeah. the practical effects on okay. this film well they did a really good job i thought they looked great um i thought the effects in the movie were st- stood out um you know and um i was impressed with with all, all of it the the snow the snow effect the the monster effect the um um you know the the minions and all the 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 elves and all that stuff that was all they're all great um so uh so that that's really stood out to me there was um they give you snippets of krampus in the beginning right so if we have the movie on kind of at the same part where she's under the car right um in the in the yeah, snowstorm the, sis- the sister Beth has yep. gone out into the blizzard because she can't get a hold of her boyfriend who lives 5 blocks away and yep. young love teenage love she's freaking out about it that she can't she wants to go check on him she wants yep. to go check on him so she wanders out into the snow on her own they make the decision she's old enough to handle herself not realizing what is going on and the the supernatural things mount because there's already the blinding blizzard as she's walking down the street it gets supernaturally completely dark really fast right right and that's when she realizes she hears breathing yeah and she looks at the one of the nearby houses and on the roof is just this form that's obscured with horns horns that's Mm. obscured by the snow Uh, and you can see the breath come out the condensation and then it stands up and she's like fuck this and starts (laughs) bolting for home and it is following her by running the rooftops and leaping from house to house and what a scary fucking scene this is yeah yeah and 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 they so they give you these kind of um these scenes but you don't get full-on krampus yeah you see an obscured shadow form hooves all you see is his hooves hooves by the, the van that she's hiding under right and then until the end so there's this so and then the and then really when they get into the house because what's keeping these monsters Krampus and his minions out of the house is um, which is another tie to Santa 
is the the fire that's lit in the in the yeah. fireplace. Keep the so fire the, hot, Omi says. Because the fire is lit, it's keeping the minions out of the house um, because they come down the chimney. Right. Um, right? Santa. Yeah. So they're keeping the fires hot and everything like that, but when uh, when the fire goes out, the minions all come in. And, uh, and then they kind of take over for a little while, right? Yeah, they, they basically... And, they they picked the low hanging fruit from the family, and soften up the stronger ones right. to make it easier for Krampus to then do what he does. <laughs> right, right. So they so you know so they end up taking over for a while, and then there's this lead up to Krampus actually showing up, like he comes down when the grandmother goes to sacrifice herself. Because right, that's what the movie is about. It's sacrifice, about sacrifice, sacrificing, and, and for for out for of your, love, out of love, out of love, right? And and so she sacrifices herself to Krampus, and he finally shows up, and you get the full on vision of Krampus, which is pretty darn good. Oh yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. it was. I thought I thought he looked really good. And they do a wonderful thing because. Krampus is depicted in so many different ways in the artwork that you see, you know, especially mm-hmm. the old German Christmas cards and things. Um, sometimes he has a human face. Sometimes he has more of a goat-like face. Sometimes it's like cross between. Um, and so they did this great smart thing. They give you, you know, these clues to his monstrous demonic form, the horns that stick out from the hood of the cloak that he wears. He wears like a red furred cloak in mockery of Santa Claus. Uh, mm-hmm. And he has, he sports the chains, the classic chains of Krampus, but they have jingle bells attached to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see his hooves and you see his humanoid clawed finger hands, you know, as he comes out of the fireplace. Um, but when it gets to seeing his face, he has a mask that is to again a mockery of Santa Claus. Right. A white right. bearded, gaping mouth hole mask with hollow you know looking it, eyes. You know what it looks like? It looks like um Otis in House of a Thousand Corpses when he kills the dad and he wears the face yeah. of the dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man, is Krampus wearing Santa's face? <laughs> but you, you do get yeah, like um, little little uh, visions of his goat-like eyes, the tongue that comes out of the mouth hole of the mask, um, all these things. So it, it's, it is kind of brilliant in the fact that they're like, okay, you're, see- you're going to see some things. You're going to see the overall form of Krampus that people would expect. But we're also going to work in that you're you. We're still not going to show you everything, and we're going to let you, your imagination, make up what you don't see. Right. right. So you, it's still left with that. Oh my God, what is he? What's he fucking look like under that mask? Yeah. You never really get it, you know. Right. Right. And uh, yeah. and it's great. It's just you know Michael Doherty. He knows how to craft this stuff. 
you know, to be, to be scary. Like, you know, uh, the part that's on right now is Adam Scott and David Koechner go out to try and find the daughter, Beth. Mm -hmm. Uh, they take, uh, he's got, of course, a Hummer, David Koechner's, you know, um, uh, conservative Republican. He's believes in guns and, you know, second amendment and all that. Of course he drives a Hummer. And that has like a gun drawer in the back of yeah, the Hummer. Yeah, he's got this like super fancy like gun drawer. It just <laughs> opens up, and he's got this really nice shotgun. And then he has uh, like a dirty, hairy fucking Smith and Wesson. It's like a forty-four. Yeah, it's like a forty-four Magnum. And um, uh, he gives that to Adam Scott, and Adam Scott's like, um, "Oh, it's heavy." And he's like, "Yeah, it's it's Linda's wife. It's Linda's." <laughs> But yeah, so they take the the Hummer out, and so now, like, that was the part in in rewatching it for the show that uh, I noticed is you have the two funniest people in the movie, like mm. bar none, the funniest. I mean, their their careers prove that. Yeah, the two funniest people, and yet it's one of the most tense, scary sequences of the film. Yes, yes. So that's the struggle, right? I, I, you have to make a decision, I guess, as the director or the screenwriter or whatever. <clears throat> you again, you have these very talented comedic actors, but the other part is that they are good actors. They're good actors. You know, and and David Koechner doesn't need to be funny to be good. I'm just saying that he has all that comedic talent. You're riding that line of of horror comedy. So why not use these guys, you know, at their best and what they do best? But that's not to say that Adam Scott and David Koechner aren't good actors because they are. And they prove it in this movie that they can do drama they can do tense. They can do scary. They can do all of that stuff. It's just, it's imprinted in your brain that, that, that you want them to do something well, funny. And, and to the, not totally the, the converse of that, like, I respect the fact that Michael Doherty was able to get such a, such tension in a scene with the two comedians in it. You know, the idea mm. that he was able to put them in that and, you know, you might expect it to be a lighter sequence. Mm -hmm. But man, it's like straight out of, you know, any other horror movie. It's two guys in the middle of a freezing blizzard searching right. for the one's daughter and they find a house that is nothing but question marks. And it's completely pitch black because none of the power works in the neighborhood. They're using flashlights and just the, the whole tension, the whole tone of the scene. I'm impressed with the fact that they were able to do that while having these two guys who normally you would expect them to be like yucking it up or something. But they sell the entire scene perfectly. Mm -hmm. You know? So that's that's the kind of stuff that I noticed when I was rewatching it. I was I, I watched this scene and I thought, 
wow, like these guys are like completely playing this straight. And I actually, I really like it, you know? I'm, and yeah, I'm not saying I don't, I don't, I, I, I appreciate it. I, I do. I, I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just used to, um, them being hilarious. So, um, it's, it's just hard. It's re, you know, I remember the first time you watched Jim Carrey in a, in a serious role. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Oh, you know, this, it's a, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. At it's, first. It's, it's good. I know it's good, but it's hard to watch. So. Now, while we're, while we're on talking about that, that scene, the search, the, the recon mission, as they call it. Um, I gotta ha- I got a question. What is in the fucking snow? What grabs? I don't know. Some kind of David snow Koechner. jaws. I don't know. I don't know. Snow jaws. <laughs> there is something in the snow. Like, like if you walk through the deep snow, they're 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 initially fine when they're in the road that is still kind of partially clear. But when you step out into the deep snow, there is something in There's the snow. Something under there. Yeah, I don't know. And it like it's one of the mit- snakes through the snow and has teeth. You know, it's got teeth of some kind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it most certainly has teeth. I don't think it doesn't have teeth, but um, I don't know what it is. I'm just assuming it's just one of the minions. Um, I yeah, I I don't know. I think that's kind of the. I think that's cool though. Like you yeah. don't know. Yeah, you, you never know, find out what that is. You never find out what it is cuz do do you really want to know? Do you <laughs> want to see what it is? I don't know if I do. Maybe it's a sandworm like in Beetlejuice. <laughs> well, I know um, you know, initially I thought that maybe it was like the um the jack in the box cuz we didn't talk about that. <gasps> oh, I had that as a note. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, Hold it, on. O- officially his name is Der Clown. <laughs> my note jack in the box monster pretty good oh yeah the the first time you meet it it's a normal size jack in the box it, krampus yeah. leaves it under mm. the van for beth when yeah. she's hiding there like she thinks he's left and she's okay and then she hears a noise and looks and there is this box and it starts mm. to play silent night and then mm. it pops but the clown doesn't come out. It slowly begins to peek <laughs> over the edge of the box. And it's like a normal sized Jack in the box. And you only get to see just barely the eyes before it cuts to the van rocking and her screaming. And, you know, something horrible is happening. Yeah. But then when you see it later, after it's fed. <laughs> oh, yeah with the feet going in and it's got a um, like it's got a mm. like a the like a snake like distending jaw that like yeah. opens like predator mandibles but at the bottom multiple layers yeah. yeah it's got like yeah it's crazy yeah it's yeah. like the doll face is like an outer was... shell of something else that's underneath yeah, the Jack in the Box monster was my favorite of all of them. I thought the uh, the the teddy bear was kind of funny. 
Yeah. You know, and the, the gingerbread men and stuff like that were kind of funny. But the Jack in the Box uh, was, I thought, was the scariest one. Yeah, let's let's talk about Krampus's helpers a little bit, uh, since since we're mm. getting into that mode where where uh, I think the helpers the helpers actually um, enter the house in different ways. The the gingerbread men, uh, which are officially lumpy, dumpy, and clumpy, they come down the chimney uh, right. as part of the fishing expedition right. that nabs Howie Junior. <laughs> Right. Howie right. Ju- Howie Jr. is David Keckner's character's son. Yep. Who is apparently mute <laughs> until he screams for help. Um right. he doesn't talk through the whole movie. And nope. the I hope I hope that the actor, the the kid that plays him had like a sense of humor about it because he is played up for his size, his weight. Uh, mm-hmm. They make some comments about diab- like what do you what are you hoping to get for Christmas? And Beth goes diabetes. diabetes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he just eats through the whole movie. Even when the family is fighting over the dinner table, he's just still sitting there gnawing on his you know like hen or whatever they're eating. You know the yep. the guinea fowl or some shit that she <laughs> made. <laughs> My God, <laughs> and. um and so, yeah, it's it's at the moment when bad things have already happened. We've had the recon mission. They don't find Beth. David Keckner gets bitten by something under the snow. Yeah. And they're trying to just get some sleep, wait out the night. And unfortunately, David Keckner, uh, who is going to stay up for the first watch, at some point passes out. The, yeah the, the he fire volunteers he volunteers to, to <laughs> shepherd's got to protect his flock <laughs> and then he falls asleep <laughs> and uh and the fire goes out and that's when uh dumpy lumpy and clumpy take their chance to go fishing and yeah. and one of them rides a hook on a chain down the chimney and <laughs> They rattle the chain and the gingerbread man that's strapped to the hook is going like, Hey, Hey, <laughs> and the smell, that's the, po- <laughs> they have him where his nose twitches in his sleep. Howie Jr.'s nose twitches at the oh, smell so of the gingerbread man. <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> it's horrible. It's, it, yeah. it's one of those things that, I mean, it is, it is funny. You know, and like I said, I hope the kid had a good sense of humor about it. But but that's part of, I will say, that is part of the overall point, though, of the film. Like, uh, there's a lot of representations in the film of, like, Seven Deadly Sins type stuff, you know, and uh, unfortunately, Howie Jr. is gluttony, like, straight up. Right. And so he's woken by the smell of the gingerbread man. He walks her. He doesn't question why is there a gingerbread man hanging on a hook down the chimney. He just grabs it and takes a bite out it of the takes head. A bite. Oh my and that's when the gingerbread man gets 
pissed off that he's got a bite taken out of his head and he comes to life in his hands and then that's when uh, it's like we got him and they hook Howie Jr. and start yanking him up the chimney and all hell breaks loose but so that's how the gingerbread men get in is through the chimney but then the the toys the kind of like demonic toys have gotten in surreptitiously in a sack that's been left on the front porch that they think is like a right. delivery from well UPS because or earlier in the movie D- DHL came right and rang the bell and they had a package from them and then there was that big sack left on the porch and they said oh it must have been the boys in brown indicating UPS must yeah. have dropped it off earlier yeah, so in the day. so that's how the toys get in that's how Der Clown and uh, the Angel Perkta, who that name comes from another uh, Yuletide Christmas myth. Um, mm. And the teddy bear, the teddy bear is um, is called, uh, where is he? I had it down here too, I thought. I think the teddy bear is called Klaus or Claus or something like that. Um, but then there's also the robot TikTok, right? Yeah, which is the, the, like a horrible yeah. puppet master style <laughs> fucking yeah. robot with like a scissor hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I had it written down that the 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 fight with these monsters um, that the whole family gets into a fight with these monsters. Because they all and, attack um, almost like all at once. They all it's they gingerbread all so men all, downstairs, demonic yep. toys upstairs. They're all fighting. They're all fighting. And um, their clown is, is swallowing children. Awesome. <laughs> it is what it, it is just what I love about movies. I just I was crying. I was just like <laughs> I was I was it was just so awesome to watch Um, every every single moment in that that sequence that's almost like act two of the film almost every every single beat of that sequence goes up a notch Mm -hmm. as each one is as you're discovering things and the horror and the chaos is getting more and more um just when you think like it can't get any crazier one of my favorite moments is Tony Collette is being attacked by the angel Perkta and she's trying to, it's coming at her, trying to claw her and bite her and she's trying to push it off. They're trying to pull it off. And all of a sudden this little wormy tongue comes out of the angel's mouth and starts licking Tony Collette's cheek and it's going, ah, ah. she's going, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm like, Oh my God. Jesus, like how yeah. much how much weirder are these things gonna get? <laughs> yeah. But totally awesome though. Oh, absolutely. Um, they did a, a great job with those those creatures and those effects. Yeah, and and this so this movie has a lot of those kind of moments. They they they're they're it's 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 a it's a movie with a lot of um good bones to it. Um, you know, again, we, and, and we talk about it all the time. We haven't touched on it yet. Um, but does it check the boxes? Um, likable characters. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right? E- even though you're so, supposed to kind of like not like some of them, they're like. Well, it's funny because, uh, like I said, when they're they're totally dysfunctional to start, and then when all of this stuff starts to happen, it doesn't take long for them to start to come together because Adam Scott's character saves David Koechner, um, <clears throat> the um, and then David Koechner ends up apologizing to Adam Scott. The sisters they like each other, you know, they share their sweet moments. Um, so like the, the, the family really starts to come together. Well, Um, it's like I said earlier about how everybody's kind of putting on their facades. Tony Collette is trying to put on a facade of keeping it all together. Um, Adam Scott is trying to put on a facade of being, you know, good tuned in dad even though he's right. kind of not like he takes a business call, which he had promised them. He wasn't going to take business calls over Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, David Keckner's character is putting on this big brash. I'm a man's man. You know, he makes fun of Adam Scott for being an Eagle scout, even though then when they're out on the recon mission in the blizzard, Adam Scott is like, yeah, this is He's what the one who takes charge. This is what Eagle Scouts yeah. can do, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so it totally like destroys David Keckner's like facade and impression of himself that he's trying to project. And so yep. when all the shit hits the fan, I kind of feel like it's that's when they actually become who they really are. Mm-hmm. That's when Tony Collette, who. Th- thinks her life is out of control beforehand that she's trying so hard to keep control of it. Mm. Now she's really put in an actual out of control situation. And that's when she like laser focuses Mm -hmm. and Adam Scott becomes the actual real tuned in dad. Who's going to take care of everything. Right. Um, David Koechner becomes a buddy like he becomes he he lets that drop and he's like hey man awesome job out there yeah 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 so that's kind of how i feel about the the kind of overall arc of the film is that they become yeah krampus forces them to become who they really are at their core in their heart right right and and you and you identify with them and you you like them and they become likable so they that so they you know you check that box and then you know um the antagonist Krampus pretty cool you know he's got the lore you know built in already real right it's a yeah. real it's, yeah it's, it's not real... it's not like you know that they didn't have to necessarily craft something they have it's a very original take on krampus the mm-hmm. the job that michael doherty and his co-writers did to take that lore and then make something their own out of it they did an awesome right. job right because there's no there's no lore there's not no part of the story that where a kid th- throws you know something in the air or whatever right. or wishes you know, he doesn't wish, you know, for his family to go away like in Home Alone. Right. 
You know what I mean? There's no that that's not part of the original Krampus lore that they they wrote that. Right. Right. Yeah. For the movie. Yeah, yeah, no in 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 the traditional myth of, you know, the the legend and tradition of Krampus, he's not summoned. Right, he's not summoned. He comes he, he just comes. comes. Right, he just comes. He just yep. comes and he can smell out who's been naughty. Right. And who's been nice. Right. um but one of the things because it's on right now so i figure it's a good time to talk about it is we talked about it with black christmas and we've been we've been talking about the kind of underlying concepts of the film Mm. but we talked about in black christmas we we also hit upon um the the like subtext points in even monster squad Mm. in the middle of the film as sort of a little break between acts the grandmother tells her story Mm -hmm. which is also then shown to us as almost like a bit of a feel of a throwback to like the stop motion animations of christmas specials and things it's a little animated section of the film yeah which is a, a cool you know a cool throw you know yeah but what she the story she tells is about her childhood in austria and mm. when you look at her age that puts her post-world war ii and it shows her and the other people of her village her town lining up for bread lines and fighting over the bread instead of being willing to share, taking the bread loaf, breaking it and giving it to the person next to you. They're fighting and scraping over it to get theirs. Right. Right. And she sees her parents just the stress and the, the chaos of everything that has happened fighting and pulling apart at the seams and she makes a wish. She, she instead of a ripped up letter, though, for her, it's she burns her Santa Claus, her St. Nicholas uh, doll yep. that she carries. And mm-hmm. that summons Krampus. And Krampus comes, takes her parents away, and leaves her, and she never sees her parents again. She's made an orphan that night. Yep. And there it's this strange again, core of it's her, I feel like trying to express to the family, you don't know hopeless. You don't know want. You don't know what it actually feels like. And it's not her like accusing them. It's her just saying, this is what was my life. Hmm. So it's in a way saying, like, you think life is bad? You think this life that you have is bad? My life was awful. Post-war Austria was, you know, for a time, like a hellscape. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to talk about being a refugee in your own town, basically. Mm -hmm. That is what I went through I made a wish and I never saw my parents ever again. 
I was a little child and I never saw my parents ever again. And so she's like, no. So we stay together, keep the fire hot, and we're going to try to come through this, you know, as one. That was That's kind of the point she's trying to make to them is like, we need to stick together. We need to be a family right now. And she says all that without saying that. That all comes across without saying that. It's all expressed in the dichotomy between her story, her life, that Christmas, and this Christmas. Where they mm-hmm. all feel like it's falling apart and they all feel like it's hopeless and everything. And she's like, you ain't seen shit. <laughs> and you're about to see some shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it's this odd thing. Like, did they have to, like, give her a story that's, like, about post-World War II Austria and and that life? No. They, they could have done any other thing, but they put that in. And I mm-hmm. think that goes back to this idea of that same message from the beginning of the film about the excess and the greed mm-hmm. and the selfishness and all this kind of stuff. She's like, this is how you act now? Like when it's yeah. when it's good? Like yeah. things are good. Like what yeah. do you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, exactly. And then, like, to, to, right, yeah. That's exactly what I was uh, saying at the at the beginning of the the show. Is is it opens up with that 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 brattiness of you know first world society. Yeah, and so and and it's sort of like you know, I think um, in some strange way, the baking and the trying to stick to the traditions and everything and instill that in Max is her trying to make up for all that and and the guilt she feels and she doesn't want Max to ever feel the way she felt when she was little and she's trying to create something for him and so and and I don't think she's being dishonest with him I think she's being genuine you know she tells him no I believe in Christmas I believe in you know giving and sacrifice I believe in those things and right. she's trying to get, like, keep his belief up. Right. And unfortunately, yeah. Omi fails. Right. And Max loses his hope, you know. Right. And rips up that mm. letter just like she threw out her Santa Claus doll. Right. So, mm. yeah, it's like heavy. there's... That's heavy, man. <laughs> I know. And that's one of the, the great things is, like, we talked about with Monster Squad, like... It's a movie with all this kind of light stuff. Like, yes, it's a it, it's a horror film. It's heavy on horror element horror elements, but it has like lighthearted a lot of lighthearted stuff. The the gingerbread men are hilarious. You know that whole sequence with them trying to shoot David Koechner with a a nail gun. You know <laughs> all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's a just like Monster Squad, just like Black Christmas. There's this. Th- thread of something else this Mm -hmm. deeper subject Mm -hmm. going through it that you might not get if you just 
focus solely on the fluffy parts. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's that's been one of our kind of core things that we've been seeing in a lot of like what you and I would consider the the better films, the better horror films, mm. all have mm. that thread. Right. You know, that that you that you can look for and and get something else out of the film, especially the more but you they're watch not, it. But they're not hitting you over the head with it either. Right. Just just like Black Christmas, it's not smacking you in the face. No, it's something it's something for you to think about. It's something it's to get you to think, it's to get you to try to gain some perspective, you know, that 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 sort of thing. So um no, I love that he threw it uh, uh like he threw that in there. Um, yeah, no, overall, like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really well-made movie. Um, and, and that, that's the only problem with it. The only problem with the movie at all is that, that line that it, it, um, it, it just, it, it doesn't know if it wants to go into horror comedy or if it wants to stay horror or, or, or what. And, um, but overall, I think it's very effective. Yeah, there's there's, a, there's, I don't feel like it takes away from the movie at all, you know? I don't feel like it takes away from the movie. I just feel like, again, you know, I keep repeating myself, but I, I would have liked to see David Koechner, you know, um, a little bit more with with a little bit more jokes in there or something like that. Um, but overall like again well acted likable cast great antagonist great effects um yeah highly highly enjoyable um i i was a little surprised i was well i i don't want to say i was surprised i wasn't that surprised but i didn't think i was going to like it as much as i did yeah yeah, um, I well, I was kind of. <laughs> I don't like the tone in your room. No, I, it was. I I was like, ah, this is this is just kind of one of those movies that Kyle and I are going to disagree on, and you know that that it's more up. I feel I, like I'm, movie I. Is, <laughs> this movie is totally up your alley. Like I, I the, the, with the lore and the, the like all of that stuff. I'm like, this is this is. Kyle, 120%, right? Um, I just didn't think that I was going to personally like it. But I think that they could have taken the story and made a movie about it, and I wouldn't have given two craps about it. It's not, for me, it's not necessarily the story of Krampus or or the lore or anything like that, or, or it, it, it really is the movie itself. I think that the movie is well done. The, the, the director and the writer, same, well, right. He wrote and directed. Yeah. It, right? he, he co-wrote it. He wrote it with two, two it. partners yeah. and then he directed it as well. Yeah. And he directed it. So I, I just think they did a, you know, they wrote a smart movie. It was a, it was well done. It's, um, uh, well directed. Um, great shots, like interesting choices to put the animation story in the middle of it. Um, you know, again, the practical effects were great. Krampus looks really good. Um, 
the the it's just a really well done movie and yeah i i think i was a little bit surprised that that um it was as maybe as good as you said it was yeah you know and that that's that's the thing i i do um if you get me on it, I, I tend to rave about the film because, you know, it, it really is for me. This this has become a once a year, you know, Christmas time comes, I have to watch Krampus. You know, it's one of those movies for me. Um, and, but also it really does fall in line with those kind of that uh, uh, a timeless message like A Christmas Carol. It, you know, they that that really by giving us that wink in the beginning, Michael Doherty is saying like, you know, yeah, that we're telling you like a morality tale here. This is about being a good person and about loving one another. As I just watched the Jack in the Box monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead, instead of you know three spirits, three benevolent spirits. Um, yeah, we've got Der Clown. <laughs> oh my God. So funny. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just love that. I was like, uh, the the Jack in the Box monster is the best. If, if it's worth it, just to just to watch that that monster in this movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And and I'm also one of those people that I love the idea that um, nothing nothing against you know people who. You know, people who go around and they say, you know, hey, remember the reason for the season, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, if if that's, you know, you, that's that's your Christmas. You know, you focus on that for Christmas. Um, you know, we always have, have had, I have, I have a nativity in the house right now, you know, like, you know, you have that stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I have always been very drawn to the, the deep, deep beliefs that that bled into christmas that that they that they use to convince pagans to celebrate christmas at a certain time of year <laughs> and on a certain right, day right. and you know and make right. it about certain things you know but you look around and everything that you christmas i mean the classic is the christmas tree we bring a christmas tree in that has nothing to do with <laughs> No matter how much people want to try and make it like it's something out of the Bible or Jesus. Right. No. We bring Christmas trees in because Germans and Scandinavians brought Christmas trees in. Right. You know? Um, uh, Hanging stockings, uh, wreaths on the door, uh, holly, mistletoe, all this stuff. It's all from these deep pagan, ancient pagan origins um, right. you know, and, and when you grow up, they tell you, oh, you know, it, it's, it's all human sacrifices and all this kind of stuff. But meanwhile, like that's the thing you get into the, a holiday like this and you look around and you're like, what? Like, this is fun. This is like, why were you trying to make me think these were like these awful, evil, horrible people? Right. Who, you know, it's like, this is the fun shit that we love. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. And even Krampus, like like if you if you go to Austria today, they have the Krampus runs, the annual Krampus runs where the guys run through town dressed yeah. in homemade, you know, goat fur yeah, skin you know, goat hair suits and with horns and scary masks. 
and they scare the little kids and everything, uh, you know, telling them to be good and stuff. But the for as horrific as the 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 visage looks, it's fun. They're just having fun. They're just celebrating mm. the holiday the way they always have. And Krampus to them is more even even with the Christian influence of, you know, being the Christmas demon and the shadow of Santa Claus and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they still maintain this lighthearted feeling about that character. Right. That, that this is all fun, that this is not, um, you know, yes, you know, you, you tell the little kids, you know, wash behind your ears or Krampus is going to come get you, you know, all that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, the stupid shit that we tell kids all the time to get them to do the things that we want to, you know, want them to do. But when they throw their annual Christmas Yuletide, whatever it is, when the Yule goat or Krampus or whatever form it takes, when he shows up, everybody's happy, everybody's laughing, everybody's having a good time. It might as well be Santa Claus running down the street, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they have fun with it, and so I like the fact that that those feelings are slowly bleeding back in to Christmas. My my Christmas has always been like a quintessential you know, quote unquote, American Christmas. Like I, I'm all about Santa Claus and Christmas trees and stockings hung by the fire and all that kind of stuff. Like Mm. I was never Mm -hmm. a kid that was in church on Christmas. You know, it was, I'm, but you know what? Um, I will say because, um, for anybody who does listen to this on a regular basis, going back to the exorcist, um, um, episode, I have my issues with religion. Um, However, one of the most beautiful things about Christmas is, and I experienced this in um, the Moravian church. Um, They have a candlelight um, service. So, at one point during the, the Christmas service, uh, the lights go out and everybody has their candles and there's music sung over top of it and you sing carols and it's hauntingly beautiful. Like it is, yeah. it, it's touching. It really is. And it has nothing to do with God and it has nothing to do with Jesus and it has nothing to do with, you know, heaven or hell or anything like that. It's, a community of people coming together and singing these songs together in unison, you know, by candlelight on Christmas Eve is, is touching, you know, and, and that is Christmas to me. That's what I love about Christmas. I love um, the time of year when I go to work and everybody's just a little, in a little bit better of a mood than they maybe normally would. They're not as cranky. Yeah. They're all getting ready to, you know, host or go to their families or whatever. And they're all talking about what they're going to do. And you have office parties and people are playing the music on, on the radio and all of that stuff. That That's all the stuff that I love about uh, Christmas. 
I I could care less about gifts or anything like that. I I don't care. I I really don't. Um, it, it's all the other stuff. Um, and that that's Christmas to me. So I didn't think the episode was going to turn into <laughs> what Christmas means to me. I feel like I wrote this in my third grade. Uh, yes, essay. yes, Bradley. There is a Santa Claus. <laughs> yes, Bradley. There is a Santa Claus. <laughs> Let's get into. We're getting close to the end of the film. We, you know, people who we wanted to have watch us. We don't have to go into all the nitty gritty. There's one core thing that happens. Max realizes the big mistake he's made. He's he's watched Krampus take everyone from him, uh, just like his grandmother watched when she was a child. But what Max does is he does something different from what the grandmother did. The grandmother just stayed hid in her bed and just waited for it all to go away. Mm -hmm. Max goes and he, when watching his, everyone in his family, all these people that he said he didn't care about, and he's had to watch them all get taken one by one, and then especially his mother, the last word she says before getting dragged under the snow is, I love you. And then she's gone. Right. And it's like one of the most desperate, Tony Collette's always great. It's one of the most desperate I love yous. Like she's, she, she's like, I have to say this before I, I'm taken. Mm-hmm. You know? And so he goes and he confronts Krampus. Mm-hmm. And he says, give me back my family. I was, I was wrong. I was wrong right. and I take my I take back whatever I said. And uh Krampus laughs at him <laughs> and all the elves, the the uh which they're all based off of an actual Icelandic folklore, the Yule lads, uh the elves, because their names in the film tie in with the names of the real, you know, well I say real <laughs> Icelandic Yule yeah, lad right. fo- folklore. Um, they all laugh at him and then, uh, he and all his family are thrown into hell. (laughs) And, uh, but the last thing that Max says, I think is great before Krampus drops him into the hell hole, he says, uh, and I quote, I just wanted Christmas to be like it used to be. Yep. Well, this Christmas Krampus, this is how it used to be. Yeah. Like, that's the idea. Like, the desperate struggle for survival and finding hope and love within the darkness and the cold of the Yule winter, that was Christmas. (laughs) Right. You know, and the dangers outside, you know, keep the fire hot and right. let's be together safe and warm. That right. was Christmas. You don't know what Christmas is, is, you know. Right. You thought it was all this other bullshit. <laughs> right. And now all you want is your family back. <laughs> you got your you wish, baby. kid. You wanted Christmas yeah. to be like it used to be. Here it is. Yeah. Ain't it ain't it fun? Aren't ain't you having grand. fun? <laughs> yeah. And but uh, 
showed the ending here, and he apologizes. He apologizes. So he, says, he says, I'm sorry. I just wanted it to be like it used to be. And then he drops him into the fiery pit of hell or whatever. And then he ends up back in his house. And everything's quiet. And the storm's over. And like a Christmas carol, he pops out of bed. Yep. It was and all, it was all in it was all night. a treat. Yeah, <laughs> it's Christmas morning. It's yep. bright out. No, no, there's snow on the ground, but there's no blizzard. And everybody's downstairs. Everybody's in their jammies, and they're all waiting for him to open presents. And Omi made hot chocolates, and it's a beautiful Christmas morning, just like you know he wanted it to be. Everyone's right. together. Everyone's happy, you know. And even like he, uh, his one cousin still calls him Maxi Pad, but for some reason now, you know, uh, she does it. And when she calls him Maxi Pad, it's with like a little more playful love in it's her with voice. Love. Yeah, yeah. And, like it's just like, yeah, I call you that, but you know, you're my cousin. You know, I call you that. It's because I love you. You know, I'm just kind of giving you a little dig. Some people do that, you know, and and Max right. takes it a lot better. Like he kind of looks at her and he's like, oh, you know, yeah, OK, you know, and it's this beautiful thing. He's hugging his mom and everyone's together. And uh, then he he gets the the strange present. Well, he gets the ornament, right? Right. So when Krampus comes and he fulfills his duty of taking care of what you wanted yeah right? getting rid of your family yeah removing the he naughty leaves, he leaves you with an ornament and he originally gave him the ornament um when the family was all gone um and uh he max threw it back at him when he was yelling at krampus and trying to get him get his family back so he thought he got rid of it and then when he ended up in you know back at his house and everything looked good and it was you know everything was bright and sunny and like nice and then he gets the the present of the ornament he realizes that Krampus is still around it's you know it's the yeah it's a little bit of a dark twist you know a little right. unexpected and yep. um and it's a, it's an old-timey jingle bell that says Grus vom Krampus, greetings from Krampus on the jingle right. bell. Right. But I guess the the argument is um are they trapped? Well it pans out, this, right? It pans like, out of everybody gets out. quiet, everybody's looking right. at each other uneasy, they're all like remembering what happened. You hear the voiceovers of things people said from the last couple of nights or whatever um, right. during the, the storm and it pans out out of the house and then you see the house is inside a snow globe and Krampus yep. puts the snow globe on a shelf in his lair which is his lair, the Krampus lair chock full of snow globes is it at the North Pole? Um, no no I don't believe so. Krampus lives in like a, a cave, a weird cave somewhere in the Alps, probably. 
okay. And um, but yeah, so it it pans it pans out, and you see all these snow globes with all little houses, different little houses in them, and um, you get kind of a a fun little ending, a weird little twisty ending. And yes, there's there's disagreement on what the ending means. Right. Are they trapped in there in some kind of like hell? Or is that what we're all in and Krampus is just keeping an eye on us? So he got, they got their life back. Their life is fine. Again, they realized their mistake. Uh, Max said he was sorry. He learned his lesson. And so Krampus has a heart and is willing to give people. Because he does a shed a tear. Krampus does he shed does, right. a tear and, for Max. And, and well, he wipes Max's tear away. Yeah. Um, so, like, Krampus has, um, you know, the capacity to forgive and to give people a second chance. So, is it that he's given them this second chance and now their life is back to normal and Krampus is just going to keep an eye on you like Santa Claus, right? He knows when you've been sleeping, yada, yada, yada. Um, or are they trapped in like hell or something like that? So like, there's this kind of debate. Um, the director has said that he thought maybe the, the theory that, um, Krampus gave them their life back is probably more the correct one. Yeah. Because they actually, they did a tie in, uh, comic book. I looked this up. They did a tie in comic book, which I'm actually very interested in, in, uh, getting a copy of and reading, um, and the comic book in the comic book, it, it leads people to believe that the second chance theory is correct because in the comic book, which the story for the comic book was, you know, partially, uh, developed by Michael Doherty and, and the other guys that worked on the, the movie, um, Krampus gives people second chances, you know, right. pe- people are like, they die. They literally like die in the comic. And then like, next thing you know, they're like back and right. he's given them a second chance. And, um, so yeah, so that's, that's w- part of why the, that's kind of loosely confirmed is that it is a hopeful, that's what Michael Doherty was going for was a hopeful ending, you know, yeah. and, and reminiscent of Ebenezer Scrooge waking up the next day being a changed person. Um, the whole family has changed and mm-hmm. now they are together and loving the togetherness and giving each other gifts out of love. And this is now like, okay, but now you, you got to stay this way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the kind of little subtle thread of like, now you got to stay this way or I might come back. right yeah exactly so yeah yeah, and it's you know it's a it's a great ending it's so it's magical it's got christmas magic it's you know it ties it up it 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 it, it's it's a cool ending it's an interesting ending and um it uh it kind of wraps it all up uh in this this really well done movie and Universal's Christmas gift to the world. 
Krampus. <laughs> the Christmas demon. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, um, but no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad uh, it, it took us having to do this, this episode for, for me to watch it. Um, but I'm glad I watched it, and I'll probably, I'll probably watch it every year now. So. Well, I'm, I'm happy to have enriched your life. Awesome. <laughs> so we're going to have to come back after this Christmas break with some real slasher blood. And well, I think we I think we discussed stuff. even as much as uh, we we've still, you know, got our thoughts on innocent blood. Uh, I think the first uh, episode of the new year, we do have to go back to the classics and we have to cover Friday the 13th. I think that's got to be the next. Okay. The next one. I agree. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. So, so you can anticipate that when we come back, cause we're, we're probably, I, I would think with the holiday season, I'm going to, I'm going to be uh, too many places for new year's. Sure. Um, yep. So I think that, uh, yeah, we're going to basically say uh, we'll see you next year. And yep. when we see you next year, be prepared to go to Crystal Lake and That's right. have an experience and no, no one is safe. And, um, so Brad, Hmm. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas, Kyle. <laughs> Merry and, Christmas to you and yours. And Gruss from Krampus. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, from me and me, Thank you so much for listening. And remember, the broadcast is coming from inside the house. Just like the clown. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the clown with the the jaws and the ears and the hands, the little hands. (laughs) With the swallows. Oh, my God. (laughs) 